to the Animation Addicts podcast with the Rotoscopers, episode 226, a nerdy crypt discussion, The Tim Burton Theory. Welcome to the Animation Addicts Podcast with the Rotoscopers, the number one place on the cobweb to get your animation fix from animation addicts just like you. Each episode, we dive into the wonderful world of animation, spooky and otherwise, featuring Disney, DreamWorks, Pixar, and everything in between, from cackling nerdy discussions and mover reviews to interrogations of industry insiders. This show's mission is to send chills down your spine through our obsession of animation. So, lay back in your casket, have Thing grab you something from the cauldron, and get ready to hang out with these animators. Animation Crypt Keepers, because it is time to unearth today's episode. Hey there, Animation Addicts. I'm Morgan Stradling. And I'm Chelsea Robson. And we are excited to be here. We are the Roto Spookers. It is Halloween month. And so we're here for a nerdy couch discussion. We're going to talk about something a little spooky. But before we do, we are having a really fun episode today because what we're going to be doing We are going to be bringing on the patrons of the Animation Addicts podcast. One of the perks of being a patron, you get to hang out with us. We have special patron-only podcasts that we do just for the patrons. People come on, we hang out, we, we shoot the breeze. It's so much fun, and it really is a community where we know each other and... It's so it's awesome. But for this episode, specifically, the patrons are going to come on and join us on the Nerdy couch. So before we get started with the topic of this, let's bring on the first patron who's here today, Esther. Hey, Esther. Shalom. Whoop, whoop. I waited a long time to do that. <laughs> I love it. Let people know a little bit about you, who you are, where you're from. Let's see. I am originally from the Midwest and I went off to live in New York for about 10 to 12 years. And that was amazing because I got to go to comic conventions and some special animated previews at different movies. And then I kind of moved down to Maryland and that's where I am now. I help manage an alumni database for university. It doesn't sound very glamorous, but it's fine. (laughs) It pays the bills. And I've been a huge animation fan since I was a teeny little kid watching, I think, um, The Lady and the Tramp was one of my first movies ever. Ooh, I love it. I love that movie. (laughs) I know we just recently did it or we've done it, but... Every time I rewatch it, I'm like, oh, it's so good. So good. So it's very homey. What is your favorite animated film of all time? Oh, gosh. It is. That's that's so hard to sue. That's like sending me to the chocolate factory and saying, pick one thing. (laughs) I would have to say it's honestly a tie between The Little Mermaid and Beauty and the Beast. I know everyone says them all the time, but just everything works. Not just the quality of the animation, but the storytelling and the music and the characters. It's Disney at its best. The nostalgia. Yes. Ah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> all of it the all things. In. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so today's going to be a really fun episode because since it is the month of All Hallows' Eve, we decided that we are going to be doing a nerdy couch discussion on 
a theory that has been around for quite a while. You know, they've been people have been talking about this for seven, eight years, but I saw it, you know, come up on Instagram and I'm like, you know what? I sent it over to Chelsea and I said, hey, let's let's talk about it. You know, why not? So Chelsea, kick us off. What is this this theory that we're gonna be discussing today? All right. So there is a theory that the movies Frank and Weenie, The Corpse Bride, and Nightmare Before Christmas are all about the same man and his dog. First when he was a kid, and then when he's an adult, and then in the afterlife. And when you line up the pictures, like still pictures from each film, you can see that they look very similar, all of them. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, the one that I would say is like less connected would probably be Nightmare Before Christmas if you're looking Mm -hmm. at just you know voice actors for one um but also (laughs) like skeletal shape and everything but the dog looks very much like it could be the same dog yeah Um, so with this theory these are all by tim burton and so you know there's all these little things with any of these theories people love to cherry pick little things here and there and they're like oh there's this and so therefore it proves x y and z you know and so people are thinking oh because it's tim burton he secretly has interconnected all of his movies and and there are a lot of similarities so let's first talk about the different similarities between these movies one they're all stop-motion animated films And they all have this very Tim Burton-esque style. If you've ever looked at concept art for different films, you know, Tim Burton, he worked for Disney in the 80s. He has a very, very distinct style. You see it in his character designs, Um, you know, with Corpse Ride being the exception, I'm not sure how involved he was with, you know, if he was the producer, but I don't know if he was involved in in character design, but obviously uh, very much influenced by him because these all look like Tim Burton stuff, right? And so that's Mm -hmm. one of the reasons why people initially bring this theory up is because the characters specifically Victor in Frankenweenie and Victor in Corpse Bride, it, it seems obvious. Uh, Victor is young in Frankenweenie and it just looks like an aged up version in, in mm-hmm. a Victor in Corpse Bride. Right. And then there's obviously and isn't it the Jack. same voice actor. <laughs> is it Do- Johnny Depp? Johnny Depp is in Frankenweenie oh, yeah. as well. So, um, I see that as a possibility. The only thing that is different is the nightmare before Christmas. Which yeah. I oh, and then also... they have the dogs, right? They all have the the dogs that are very similar. They have a very pointed snout that right. therefore they're the same dog. Right. They're the same guy. Now, oh, go ahead, Esther. I was gonna say, so if you've talked before about I think a time vortex and the Disney verse, is this yes. the Bur- the Burton verse then? the time vortex in the Burton verse right exactly (laughs) so that's a that is a throwback that's how you know Esther is one of our OG listeners yes episode one really really? that far back I don't remember oh it's so good well we we always brought it up the time vortex it's the answer to everything and when it comes to Disney theories Pixar theories or Burton theories a time vortex solves all of your problems. It's just the magic key that connects it all together. So I think we're going to talk about, let's, let's talk about how this possibly could happen and why. And then on the flip side, someone will play devil's advocate and break it all down because I think that's what a lot of people like to do with these is, eh, okay, nice try. But so what they're saying happened is that Frank and Weenie came out in 2012. 
uh, Corpse Bride, 2005, Nightmare Before Christmas, 1993. And they're saying that Victor and Frank and Weenie had this dog. You know, obviously the dog died. He had to bring it back. He grew up and through some weird sort of shifting of time, because Frank and Weenie's kind of set in the 1950s. You know, they're wearing uh, 3D glasses at one point and watching movies. It's very much an homage to those sorts of the films from that era. Um, then we hop back to the Victorian period and he's grown up <laughs> and he has a dog. It's the same dog he has a different name. But uh, then when he dies, he kind of becomes Jack. He, he renames himself, becomes a new guy and becomes Jack the Pumpkin King with his dog Zero. So um, you know, there's a lot of hoops that you have to jump through to kind of make this timeline work. And um, it, that's kind of where it falls back apart because you have to kind of jump backwards in time. And typically, theories don't do that, right? So Frankenweenie and Corpse Bride were both directed by um, Tim Burton, but it was actually Nightmare Before Christmas that was done by Henry Selleck. And so it does make a lot more sense that Frankenweenie and Corpse Bride would be connected um, and why it's much more of a, of a shift and a jump to go straight to um, Nightmare Before Christmas. Not to mention the fact that I, I feel like I feel like they would have gotten me if Johnny Depp had been the voice for Jack. But because mm -hmm. he wasn't, it's kind of like, I don't I don't see that. But I do. I can see the other two. So, Esther, what do you think? Do you think the, the does the voice actor matter in this theory? Oh, the short answer is definitely yes. And the long answer, you have some good points. I would say, yeah, Frank and Weenie and Corpse Ride, it makes sense of being in the same timeline because it could be in a, a somewhat human realistic world just mm -hmm. in different time periods, the 50s and the Victorian era. Whereas The Night Before Christmas seems to take place mostly in a different magical world. Halloween Town is not in our world. He seems to temporarily go to the human world when Jack Skellington is dropping off the presents, but not as much. I mean, for the sake of fun, I would say, why <laughs> not make them the same person? Right. Um, I have two theories, though, I could share with you. Yeah, So one, one, one was a YouTube channel talking about mythology and, you know, what do vampires symbolically represent in our, our, um, our society or ghosts? And this one gentleman said the ghost represents are untold stories. If you have suppressed feelings or people feel that they've let someone down or they're embarrassed, then the ghost turns up to say haunt them because their story is not complete. But once the, mm -hmm. you know, we find out what the real story is, then the ghost is satisfied. They can be at peace and move on. I mean, automatically what popped into my head was uh, Emily from the corpse bride. She's not, I mean, she's, she, okay, she's a corpse, not a ghost, but the point is she can't have any peace. She's still mm -hmm, drifting mm -hmm. around. She's still trapped mm -hmm. in an underworld. But once they conclude her story, she's able to depart and go into, I guess, another world or heaven, whatever you call it there. So maybe the same character is also not at peace. So he's hopping from one story to another because he has to complete something with his dog. Mm -hmm. I don't know, maybe mm -hmm. he and his dog committed a crime in their past life or they have to complete their <laughs> story before they get somewhere. My other theory is perhaps... They're being chased through time and space by some <laughs> evil demon, and that's why they have to keep reinventing themselves over and over again. Mm. Like it, mm. it's kind of like uh, in California, like up in uh, like the Fremont, er Palo Alto area. They have the Westminster House, the widow of the guy who created the Westminster, not the Westminster Winchester rifle. So you have the Winchester House, and 
she kind of went crazy in her old years and she had more money than anybody else in the world. Basically she was super rich and um, somebody told her that she, in order these, that these spirits were coming after her and the only way to keep the spirits away would be to never finish building your house. And so if you go and look up the Winchester mystery house, you can go in and see it's got like a staircase to nowhere. It's got a door that opens to nothing. It's got all these rooms that were never finished or that kind of go into one, a cupboard that's not really a cupboard. Like it's just weird things. Mm-hmm. And she did this in order to confuse the spirits. So interesting. Yeah, you think about different cultures, they all have their way to either appease the spirits or make sure that they don't cross your threshold. So they will deliberately clean out the house or leave things as they are. People will leave talismans somewhere. Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm Jewish. So in our culture, you don't leave water um, uncovered overnight. If you have a bowl or pitcher of water and you walk into your kitchen, always pour it out. There's this belief Uh that there are, there are demons in the water. So don't drink it. Interesting. Also, just from, I guess, a health perspective, there might be a fly in that or something. You never know it got into the water. So just better pour it out. You can get yourself a clean glass of water. Yeah. We don't want any stale, stagnant water. You're better than that, right? (laughs) I am too good for that. Going back to the theory, we didn't talk about some of the other characters that were involved. So we have Victoria, um, you know, who is, who in Frank and Weenie, who he's supposed to marry, right? But then there's also Emily, the corpse bride. Um, so people, you know, he he's kind of in this like love triangle in Corpse Bride. It's pretty interesting. But people say that I think it's Victoria. There's because there's unfounded um, issues that happen there. Is it Victoria or is it Emily? I, I'm getting mixed up. But one of them. <laughs> become Sally in in this theory. <laughs> and and that's why they ultimately get back together. Um, oh man, who is it? But yeah. So, Emily was the corpse bride. She was the one who was murdered and has a stitched up the weird, well, the blue yeah, face yeah. and everything. Right, but I'm trying to say in this theory, who becomes Sally? Does Emily become Sally or does Victoria I mean, become Helena Sally? Helena Carter is the corpse bride voice. I'm not going by voices. For me, I don't think okay. the voices have anything to do with this theory. Um, but yeah, it's interesting. Okay. I think it's really funny. I think it's one of these things when you first see it, you know, and you see there's a there's a picture that kind of goes around on these memes. It has all three. It says, oh, when you realize it's all just one big movie. And I think <laughs> it's just like easy clickbait. People are like, oh, <laughs> mind blown and, and you know it's just <laughs> like mind blown emoji pop, mind blown yeah, emoji <laughs> it's just popcorn fodder just to kind of like oh whoa that's so cool man but once you kind of go one layer deep you realize i don't know i don't think these are in the same universe what do you think if you had to say yes or no i would say that's one big fan fiction challenge <laughs> and yeah. someone out there would accept and i would once i'm done with what i'm currently working on i would say Again, I mean, they, they all take place in a, a similar environment. So I don't, I'm not interested in playing devil's advocate. I will say why not, if you can make it make some sense. Look, they mm-hmm. kind of screwed up the Star Wars sequels. That didn't make sense. So I think that at this point, fans could do a little better making right. things work together. You just opened up a can of worms. <laughs> oh, you've been crawling like, over the place. Hello, uh-huh. little worms. Oh, they're all crawling on the floor now. <laughs> We're in Corpse Bride. Um, uh, you know, and Frank and Weenie, I guess they all go together. Um, 
No, I think that I could I could see definitely Frankenweenie and Corpse Bride being in the same, like I mentioned before, just because it seems a lot more. Mm-hmm. It's I feel like Tim Burton likes to do the same things over, and maybe he was thinking that they were the same person. So that would that would be my assumption. I think the reason this just happened is he has a very, very, very specific um, drawing style and doesn't deviate. You know, he has these big eyes, you know, they usually have a ring of eyeliner around them, whether they are male or female, Mm -hmm. you know, very pointed nose, angular faces and long, long bodies. that just go for days. Mm -hmm. Question in the house. Um, I'm just curious. It may all come from Tim Burton's own mind, but I have a question. Do you think it may have also evolved from some of the look from the 90s, the goth punk look where you said the heavy eyeliner and the pale (laughs) face? Maybe you think that's something to do with it? Uh, Yeah, I mean, it it feels like it was part of that trend i don't know when you when you go back and you look at his stuff from the 80s he's just always Mm -hmm. been this way he was the trendsetter maybe it was he that started the goth punk of the 90s it was really from from burton himself (laughs) well i have committed time for i ask you to a question though yeah my question for you is what is a good animated film for halloween that you think is just scary enough and what do you think is too scary i'd like to hear your answers and then i have to share mine so this is interesting because I have kids that are five, three, and obviously nine months. And so I'm thinking like, oh, what movies can I introduce them to? And there's specific ones that I think are too scary. One of the ones that I think is just like a perfect Halloween film or like it really just fits this this um, season is Coraline. And, but I don't think... I think maybe for though that age five, it might still be a little too scary. Although I was watching the other day and someone was, you know, their two-year-old was watching it. So I was like, hmm. Um, but I think it's just, it has the perfect amount of creepiness. It's weird. It's, it's unique. Creepy. Yeah. It's not, it's, it's not ghosts or, you know, things like that, but it, it totally fits into this Halloween vibe. So I say that's like the perfect one that's, scary but not too scary because the the whole mother with the buttons in the eyes and once they go down there it's just oh so weird and creepy i would say corpse bride is probably a better bet for your kids Mm -hmm. because i wouldn't say that that's scary it just has that vibe um frankenweenie it's been a while since i saw that one but that probably falls into the same category and then you also have i I personally would put Coraline as a lot higher on this creepo list Mm -hmm. (laughs) just because it's like, there's just different parts where the other mother just really freaks me out. Um, She's terrifying. She really is. And I do remember, even though I like the movie Ichabod Crane, I feel like that one, the headless horseman Mm -hmm. is like for Morgan's kids would probably still be yeah. Oh really? Yeah. Did how did they, how did they react? They they liked it. They were a little bored, you know, with leading up to it. Um, mm-hmm. But with the headless horseman part, they were a little scared. Right. So that's what I would assume. But they still like, watched. Of course, just... they were like eyes open. Like, <laughs> I don't like this. <laughs> you know. <laughs> I feel look like... away. <laughs> look away. Look away. But there's a car wreck, and I'm driving by it. I know. Um, I think 
that I, yeah, I just remember being scared as a little kid from that movie, the moment the Headless Horseman came around. So, um, but I just, I yeah, can't I think like... of one that's like so scary. It's over the line. Do you have one, Esther? Oh, I need to think about that. I will start by saying Coraline. Well, I watched it as an adult, not a kid. So as an adult, I thought, yeah, the other mother mm-hmm. is terrifying, but didn't disturb me too much. But mm-hmm. I have my concerns. It might be a little too much for kids. I just think they might be scared. They might think, oh, God, I'm going to walk into the kitchen. Mom's going to turn out a horrible, yeah. giant, stretchy monster now. Oh, God. I remember there were some cute Mickey Mouse cartoons, but there were Halloween ones, maybe starting to get little kids off with that. It just depends on the kid, what they can handle. I mean, yeah, Ichabod and Mr. Crane, that freaked me out. Um, I have to admit, there there are two things that I think, one really did scare me as a kid, and that was, in fact, the all dogs go to heaven. Because I remember Charlie comes back but he has these nightmares. I think the idea is that mm. he's, he had a chance to go to heaven. He blew it. He comes back. So he may go to hell. Cause he has these nightmares that demons are coming after him. <laughs> right. I was a little, so little. Good old <laughs> yeah. Those freakish <laughs> monsters are tearing at him. He's like, he's going to, looks like he's going to be drowned in this fiery pit of lava. I was thinking as a kid, huh? I thought this was, a, you know, to make me happy. I'm terrified by this. Also, the <laughs> other one was, from the great mouse detective, it just popped into my mind. Radican is under con- his, he's mostly under control, but at the end they have the clock tower chase and he's running mm-hmm. and you see him, his mm-hmm. clothes are being shed. He just like mm-hmm. the monster in him comes out. He's just a rat, but he looks terrified. He, he becomes a rabbit. Yeah. So yeah, I, I think it would just, it, it depends on the child, maybe it depends on the parents. Some kids can take a lot and others are like, no, I just see, they, they can see even just Casper. They're terrified. Right. It's interesting. None of us mentioned the nightmare before Christmas. And I know <laughs> we've gotten a lot of flack for this. Maybe not a lot. I mean, whatever. Um, <laughs> Chelsea, myself and Mason, you know, when we did this episode a long time ago, we were unanimous, like not a fan. I don't know mm-hmm. what it is about Nightmare Before Christmas that I'm just like, meh. Like I watch it and like, I, I like the songs and I like the idea of it when I sit down and watch it. It just doesn't get me. I don't know what it is about it. It's just kind of interesting that we didn't even talk about it. <laughs> well, could it be perhaps Jack Skellington, his character arc? He just seems to, he makes a mess of things and then just, oh, gee, I'm sorry, Mr. Santa Claus. And Santa has to fix it. He doesn't yeah. have to make a hero sacrifice or give up mm. anything or change. Maybe that's part mm-hmm. of it. Yeah, yeah. it's, the, yeah, it has elements that you think it, it would work and it would be great. And it is beloved. So mm-hmm. I'm, you know, I understand. I, I'm not saying my opinion is, is gold. Everyone has their own mm-hmm. ideas, but right. something about it, oh. you know, the songs are great. Animation is great. It, but when it all comes together, the plot, I think it, yeah, I think Jack's character <laughs> is one of the big parts of it. And his, his arc just doesn't do it for me. Well, think about the moral of the story. It's don't break out of anything. Stay in your lane. Just keep doing the same thing over and over again. No matter how tired you are of it, you will suck at anything else. And, you know, you work in business, right? People are told, don't do that. Get creative. Take chances. Expand outside the box. And you may not do everything right the first time, but you have to keep trying until you do it. Yes. I never considered that. No, yeah, that's that's exactly um <laughs> I've gotten really into watching. There's a YouTube channel that I found, and she, the 
hostess she's really good at, at explaining a lot more of the of the hero's journey in the three-act structure and i thought i knew a lot about it but then when she like went in and was like oh no this this is like oh like there was a lot of pieces that just kind of put got put into place for me and one of those is the fact that the every main character has to have a start out with a misbelief which is the direct opposite of what the moral or the theme of the story is which never changes so it's actually so jack skellington his his misbelief is that i can go outside of my lane and then so you're saying mm-hmm, the theme mm-hmm is no you can't (laughs) 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 so inspiring (laughs) you're exactly right and that's probably what goes across then why does everyone love it i don't know if that's the case if there's like this fatal flaw that clearly we have discovered with the nightmare before christmas i mean esther discovered this for us and i just was like confirmed it but yeah it was, yeah, I don't know. And I think the characters just, you know, I think just the character design and um, it's definitely a plot driven story and not a character driven story. And maybe they just like, I mean, people who just really like that type of style. And so mm-hmm, that's mm-hmm. why they like it. And it's visually appealing. It's dark. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's different. There's a lot of elements visually, that it is cool. make it really good. Yeah. I'm always drawn mostly to story and now that you've just you've put in line exactly what the the fatal flaw of this is like no mm-hmm, <laughs> you stay mm-hmm. in your lane like oh wow yeah <laughs> yeah always go back to read Joseph's Campbell the hero with a thousand faces yeah. I mean it's not not an easy book to read but he mentions people have been telling the same stories for thousands of years and there's a reason why certain stories work they have a structure and we understand them as human beings as individuals going through our lives I mean, if it, if that is a hard book to get. Um, another one I recommend is The Writer's Journey by Christopher Vogler, which I'm sure you can mm-hmm. get on Amazon. Rotostovers.com okay. slash Amazon. Right. Because he, he does the same thing. He's breaking up the hero's journey and he mentions different movies, including The Lion King. He talks a lot about that, but he explains what you, most of the time you have a flawed character and what do they have to learn? They They want one thing, but they need something else. Um, mm-hmm. So I mean, Jack does learn. I mean, he does learn some lesson that, for example, it's not good to take over someone else's, you know, their story. He's obviously not Santa Claus, but maybe they could find a way of, yeah, just not going back to the same person you were. The point of the hero's journey is to come to be a different, a better version of yourself, mm-hmm. someone wiser mm-hmm. and kinder, and maybe I don't know. And then you have Victor from uh, Corpse Bride. He's, I think, in him also. He has that that um, that insecurity in him at the beginning, and he overcomes that at the end. Yeah. So maybe it's a little more mm-hmm. satisfying. And also he helps Emily. She's like, she's the one who needs help. Mm-hmm. And he, he saves her. Ooh. So if you were to um, watch, if you guys are going to watch one movie before Halloween, what would you watch? Um, Animated. Or of these three, of the of three that three. we discussed, which one are you going to go back and watch? Corpse Bride for me. Esther? corpse bride for me too i love a victorian romance every you know time what? i am with you i as we were talking about it, i'm like man it's been a while since i've seen corpse bride um frankenweenie i don't know what it is about frankenweenie i saw it and i was good it's, mm-hmm. it's just not super engaging and then you know how i feel about nightmare of christmas i'll go back and watch it <laughs> if i need to but 
Um, yeah. So what, speaking of going back and watching movies, one of the things that we do on with our patrons from time to time is we have watch parties. And in November, we are going to be doing a watch party with all of our patrons. So that's going to be really fun. We're going to get together on a Friday or Saturday night. We're all going to bring up the movie and push play at the same time. And then we're just going to watch it together. And then, you know, I'll be on the same live stream and just talk about it, shoot the breeze, uh, discuss characters, you know, watching it in real time. We had already, I'm not going to, we decided on a movie, but I kind of want to change the movie. So I'm going to go back to the patrons and, and see. Um, we were going to be watching Pirates of the Caribbean. But I kind of, on the flip side, maybe want to watch the Parrot Trap, <laughs> the Lindsay Lohan one. So I don't know. I'll, I'll, I'll give that out to the patrons and they ultimately we'll decide that. which one. <laughs> Those are two totally different things. Hey, maybe we'll do both. We'll do Pirates of the Caribbean, then the next month we can do the Parent Trap and I can get my Parent Trap fix. Uh, both are so good. So it's going to be super fun. I'm really excited to do that uh, basically in a week or two with the patrons. So thank you so much, Esther. This is a blast. And, you know, the theory, there wasn't a lot of meat to the bone, but it was fun discussing and going back and kind of talking about these different films. If anything, it makes me want to go back and watch Corpse Pride again, which is definitely a forgotten gem, I think. So I just wanted to mention a couple of, uh, so we had Josella, she came on and mentioned as far as different uh, Halloween movies, she was like Coraline and Corpse Bride are movies that she would show people, as well as Don't Look Under the Bed, Disney Channel film, too mm. scary for little kids though. So I was like, oh, okay. Nice. I have not seen that one. And then we had Ryan Campbell from the chat where he threw in that it's a great theory. However, if Jack had been alive as Victor, I wonder why he didn't remember Christmas. I guess he could argue that when you die, you might lose your memories from life or perhaps the memories fade the longer you've been dead. An interesting theory, though, for sure. And then Kurt <laughs> also comes in and says, totally legit. Tim Burton would totally do this to us. <laughs> so <laughs> That's awesome. Thank you to the to the patrons for joining us and Esther for jumping on today. We, it was very last minute when I put out the notice that we were doing this because I was like, okay, we got to, uh, Morgan is going out of town. So we weren't able to do a movie review this week. And, um, but we will be we will jumping be. back into the, into the, into the zone uh, later into on the as she gets back into the into unknown. The unknown. <laughs> and Morgan, you're gonna go to Disney World. I am for the spooky season. All the Halloween decorations will be there. So mm -hmm. next episode, I'll report back. A newbie at Disney World. I've been to Disney, uh, Tokyo Disneyland, Tokyo Disney Seas, obviously Disneyland and California Adventure, but I've never been to the Grand, the the Mac Daddy Disney <laughs> World. So I will report back. I'm really excited. Uh, with that, I need to go get some shut-eye so I can relax, get ready, and and because we're going to be going, going, going. There's not going to be a lot of resting. This isn't going to be, it's like a vacation, but a vacation where you're constantly just going, 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 going. You go back to your hotel room, sleep, yeah, sleep for six weeks, six, not six a weeks, vacation. I wish, <laughs> six hours, and then back to the next park again. Yeah, so it's a trip. You know, and I do say, before we go, I've always said a a trip is when you have your kids. A vacation is when you don't have your kids. But this is kind of a hybrid thing. A vacation to me is when you're just okay. like truly relaxing. But who knows? Right. I'll let you know how it goes. Maybe it will end up being the true vacation that uh, 
is so desi desirable. So with that, thank you so much. Thanks to the patrons. If you're interested in becoming a patron, go to rotoscopers.com slash patron. You can see all the different tiers that we have. We have different levels for whatever works for you. And of course, one of the cool things about being a patron is you get to do cool things like this. So thank you, Esther, for joining us. This was super fun. And with that, until next time, we, we are, are the Rotoscopers. Again, you're gonna have to cut this out. Blah, blah. Rewind, reverse. Okay, thank you. It always never works. <laughs> we fix it in post. Always, cool. never. That, that was yeah. Thanks. Thank Wonderful. you. Awesome. You've been listening to the Animation Addicts podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe and be sure to leave us a five star review. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you want to help spread the word, be sure to share the podcast with your friends on social media. Just don't forget to tag us at Rotoscopers on Instagram and use the hashtag Animation Addicts. For all the links and full show notes for this episode, go to rotoscopers.com slash podcast. Now, if you still can't get enough for your animation fix, be sure to subscribe to us on YouTube and visit rotoscopers.com for more animation news, reviews, and interviews. Thanks for listening.